0: Oh, it turns red? Mine stays the same color, it just gets bigger. Your, your station. <laughs> Do not use that please.
1: Oscar, you're a fucking gift.
0: Oh goddammit. My sound recording levels. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host, Chuck Bailey. Good evening. Hello. Guten tag. good
2: afternoon. I suppose it depends, like, what what time you listen to this,
1: really, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, well, for me, it is Thursday. It's not live. (laughs) <laughs> hey, there he is. Welcome back to Super Producer. He even yeah, he even jumped the gun on his intro. That's alright. Well he's just excited to be back with us, huh? We got Ian Stimson here. How you doing? You all right? I'm yeah, I'm alright. I'm a little bit of a mess. Just been travelling and running around a lot, so my brain is uh been in a blender, I would say, but but I'm feeling alright. I'm excited to be recording with you guys. It's been a few days. The Premier League season's single digits away at this point, which is very exciting so i you know we had world cup fever now i've got premier league fever and i'm just super excited to be close to the season
1: so um we're doing the top six today are we because i mean the three amigos are back together i know you two wouldn't have recorded a podcast without me so top Um, six today is it yeah
2: yeah yeah so yeah we just do um top six yeah yeah because we haven't done
0: Uh, i'm not gonna tell them are you are you gonna tell them i'm not telling (laughs) chuck don't don't say anything
2: I mean, it's good to know that he doesn't even listen to his own fucking podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He actually doesn't listen to the words when he's editing. It's just beeps and beeps to him.
1: Yeah, I'm just seeing the waves.
0: Um, Yeah, so as Ian alluded to last week, we went through most of the top six. Uh, Today, we're going to fill in the one team that we missed out on, my beloved Chelsea. Um, Get a bit of a deep dive on the tactics, the transfers, what we think is going to happen this season. Then we'll do the same thing for Chuck's Palace, um, see what we think, if they'll have a Good season or a bad season, and where they might finish up on the table. A lot of new signings to talk about there. Um, Take a break, and then come back and do a little bit of more formal prediction games with each other and see who can sort of hold bragging rights as the season goes on. How's that sound to you, boys? Sounds like a plan. Great. So I'll start us off. We are going to look at Chelsea, um, who I think the biggest news for them is that they fired Antonio Conte and hired a new coach named Sarri. Um, and I am sorry to say that I don't know if he's that good of a fit, um, just jumping right into it. Um, mm. But before I get too carried away, Chuck, what do, you, what do you make of what's been going on at Chelsea this summer?
2: Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask you um, how you feel, first of all, about Conte actually leaving. Do you think that's the right decision for Chelsea? Do you think of his time? Do you think he'd lost the dressing room or anything?
0: Yeah, I think we alluded to this a bit last week. Um, it does seem harsh to fire him less about a year after he just won the league. Um, but it did really seem kind of the way that Pochettino might have this season at Spurs. It seemed like he really had lost the dressing room, like you mentioned, um, to the point that Willian covered him up with emoji trophies when he posted a picture of them celebrating the FA Cup, <laughs> um, which was <laughs> a bit hilarious. Uh, and then the FA retweeted that and got in a bit of trouble had to issue an apology. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he froze out Louise William, we just mentioned. Um, obviously, Diego Costa, he texted him to say he was getting shipped out without getting any approval from anyone at the club. So To be
2: fair, you wouldn't want to say that to Diego Costa's face, would you? I guess that's Probably true. Probably just smash <laughs> your wife.
0: I don't want to say anything to Diego Costa's face. Eh? No. Ugly face. <laughs> e- evil
2: cheese face.
0: Yeah. Oh, God, I miss him, though. He was a good striker. Big downgrade to go to Murata from that. But yeah, I mean... But it not didn't... in looks,
2: though. You upgraded in a looks department. Going from Diego Costa to Giroud and Murata. Ooh. Yeah, we do have a handsome <laughs> front line. I know, right?
0: Mishi bachwai too, when he's not busy hitting himself in the face.
2: Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> he's a good-looking guy. He's wanted to smash his face up a little bit so he's not, you know, too pretty.
0: But yeah, I mean, things ended pretty poorly with Conte. He's suing the club at the moment. Um, and Chelsea are suing him back, so it's like a whole legal battle that they're going into. It's like really, really one of the worst breakups I can remember in a while.
2: As as the resident American and probably an expert on lawsuits, could you <laughs> detail what exactly is he is he suing or Chelsea
0: counter suing for? Yeah, so Chelsea um, are withholding his wages for part of last season and all of the what would have been his upcoming season. So they terminated his contract. Instead of like releasing him, which clubs often do, and then still pay them for after they're not their manager anymore, mm-hmm. they officially fired him, saying that they had quote unquote just cause because of the way that he handled the Costa situation, and he repeatedly criticized the club in the press. Um, so they have what they consider just cause for firing him, which means that they don't have to pay him. So I think that's about nine million for this coming season and part of last season. I think it comes out to about twelve million pounds that they're not paying him. That he feels he deserves, um, but legally they must think they have a case because their lawyers probably went through everything, and they wouldn't have done this if they didn't think they were going to win. It's
1: going to be a hell of a judge, Judy.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's suing them for for the money that they were that he says they we were supposed to pay him, and then also for damages and the loss of future earnings as a um, the way that they damaged his reputation, basically. Um, and they, he said that like they didn't if they had fired him at the beginning of the summer, he could have looked for a different job. But because they waited till like two weeks before the season, he basically has nothing he can do and they're not paying him next year, so he can't like he's just losing out on a year's worth of salary. And you would think that he also uh must have gotten legal counsel that he's gonna win that. So I don't know what the hell is gonna happen. It's just a really ugly situation. They'll probably settle out of court, I guess. I don't know how I do, I don't know how lawsuits work over there. I'm not I don't even really know how lawsuits work over here, to be honest. I'm not yeah. a legal expert or anything, but Yeah, it's bad. It's bad.
2: Never know. Might you get that money then for the stadium or even a transfer or two?
0: Well, Not (laughs) two
2: for Chelsea. It's it's 12 million doesn't get you very far. No,
0: (laughs) no. I mean, it doesn't get you very far for anybody these years when you're paying 70 million for a goalkeeper in the open market um, for Alisson who went to Liverpool we talked about last week. Um, Mm. But you did allude to the stadium. They had been saving money for a few years to like have money set aside for when they try to build this new stadium. That project is officially on hold because of, like, all these permits and Abramovich's uh, visa issues and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and the higher-ups had said that they were going to reinvest that money into the club this summer. And, of course, yeah. then they go out and make one fucking signing and that's it. And, our, and like, all the rumors that you hear about are not about who they're going to buy but about who they're going to sell. Willie into Barcelona, Hazard and Courtois to Real Madrid, blah, 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 blah. blah. So it's not been a good summer in terms of the signings, although Jorginho, who is the one that they did sign, uh, does look quite an exciting prospect, and he has been pretty good in preseason. So he's coming from Napoli, which is also where the coach is coming from, so they have a good relationship, and he was kind of the the heart of that team. He played in central midfield um, and kind of ran the show, both up and down the pitch. Um, So that's an obvious target for them. To be able to play "quote unquote" sorry ball, which is the style of play that the new manager plays, um, and they do need him if they're going to make the system work. It's a very, very different tactical system to what they've yeah. ever played. My concern, though, is that no one else really fits the system. Like there are a few places where it kind of works if you squint, but a lot of it, like if they're going to play the way that Sorry likes to play, they are they do not have the players to do that, and so it does worry me for the upcoming season.
2: Yeah. So so for someone who hasn't really seen um Sari at all or, or watched Napoli or Chelsea in preseason, what what is Sari Ball? Like I've heard it I've heard it bounce around quite a lot on Twitter. Um and just wondering what, what exactly is it? How does Sari set up his teams?
0: Yeah, sure. Um admittedly I don't watch the Italian League that much, so I had heard that Napoli is fun. I'd seen them play in the Champions League a few times, but this is all from like reading stuff online and a couple of preseason matches. But from what I've read, he sets up with a 433, so like very 2006 era formation, very in vogue in that era, um, which I love because that's when I first became a soccer fan. So I love a 433, but his 433 is a very fluid and moving shifting system um, where it switches to like a 343 when they're in possession and a four five1 when they're on a defensive, like deep defensive. Um, so it moves around a lot, which means you need a lot of players who are versatile. Um, And Chelsea, more recently, have been going more towards actual like specialist-type players, so that is part of the problem. Um, In the four at the back, they have two traditional fullbacks, two-way fullbacks that go up and down the sides. So you're Ashley Cole, you're Hector Bellerin, you're Zappa Costa, who is the current right-back Moses, in case you're looking at Fantasy Premier League or anything else, has not been playing in preseason that much, and when he does... He's coming in as a sub at the right wing position not at the defense?
1: Is he really? I, is he he was in my first draft. I'm going to write that down.
0: Yeah, get him out. <laughs> <laughs> cuz Costa has been, you know, cuz he's not a traditional right back. So for no. him to like be playing in that position with a lot of defensive responsibilities as opposed to as a wing back under Conte is like too much of a burden for him. Um and right. we'll see if Alonzo works out cuz he's not a traditional left back either. Um so the fullback situation already not a great fit. Because we have only wing backs, They want traditional fullbacks who go up and down, have a lot of defensive duties, but also do bomb forward. Um, but one area where they do have good people is at center back. Because in the tactical sorry ball system, there's two center backs. One of them is a really mobile, speedy guy to run up and down the pitch, do tackles. Because they do tend to have a very high line and press very aggressively. So they need someone who can like recover if a ball does go in behind. So that's Azpilicueta to me. Or Antonio Rudiger, if you want, like as a backup there. So there's two good players for that position. And then the other center back is a very passing-oriented center back because he does expect a lot of creative vertical passing from deep. So to me, that screams David Luiz. Or Andreas Christensen, who's super young, but he had a really great season last season for Conte, One of the few bright spots for them last year. So I think at center back, they're actually pretty set in terms of fitting the tactical system and having depth. So that's a plus. And they had been linked with a few center backs in the market. Nothing ever came of it. I think Sari might have shown up and was like, you know what? I think we're actually pretty good there. So that's the defense. But the really interesting piece that's very, very different from what Chelsea have done recently is in central midfield. Because in a 4 3 3, you need to have traditionally one destroyer and then two box to box guys. Yeah. But with all the interchange that Sari does, it's actually more three. Mostly box to box guys, one of whom is more defensive, one of whom is more attacking, and we just don't have the players for that. Um, so at Napoli, he had one defensive center mi- midfielder who would drop deep into with the center backs when they had a lot of possession buildup. Um, and that was Jorginho. He is a defensive, almost like a defensive passer, central midfield. Um, but mm-hmm. then the other two is one box to box runner guy. So like your traditional box to box. Steven Gerrard of old, um, which Chelsea don't really have one of those. I guess if you squint hard enough, Conte could do that. Or you play Conte as the defensive passer, because Conte's passing is actually pretty underrated, I think. And then have Jorginho be the box-to-box guy, but he doesn't particularly fit that either. Um, And then even less of a fit is one very attacking central mid who switches in and out with the striker. So like almost a false nine. And Chelsea don't have that. They've been playing Ross Barkley there in preseason. He's actually been doing a pretty good job.
2: God, I forgot about him. Yeah, I was just about to say, there's a name that you've forgotten
0: about. I know. When you watch the preseason highlights, he's been fantastic. And I was like, oh, right. I forgot. We signed you. Because he played like (laughs) two minutes and then got hurt again. Because, of course, he's always hurt.
2: But you you forget those signings when it's just about bumping up the homegrown player numbers, don't you? Yep.
0: Him and Danny Drinkwater.
2: Yeah, him and Drinkwater. Yeah, oh, I God, guess Drinkwater yeah.
0: is a box-to-box, but he's not, like, good enough to be starting for Chelsea. 50 million quid, though. Nice, good good job there. <laughs> well, you know, we do actually have the cash to splash around on occasion, but but they don't have, <laughs> like, a... a read, read that as waste. <laughs> splash around, waste, whatever. A chump change in the pockets. Um, you know, if we still had Oscar, I think he could fit that attacking central midfielder role, but... Barkley has been doing it, and the more exciting prospect for me is if uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek can nail down a spot, he might be a really good fit there tactically. Um, mm-hmm. And he did play in preseason. He came back two weeks early from his vacation so that he could have a nice amount of preseason and sort of impress Sari to try to make his name in the squad, which is awesome for me. Like, that's dedication right there. Mm-hmm. And he did make a cameo in the most recent friendly at that position. And he had a pretty good run out. He did pick a squad number, too. That's like an actual squad number that implies that he's planning on staying for the year. Hmm. Uh, number 12, which was Mikel's old number. But yeah, I mean, one person who stands out there is Seth Fabregas. Is not any of those players. Like, He's not a defensive passer. He can pass, but he doesn't do defense. He's not a box-to-box because he's super fucking slow. And he's not like a just attacking guy who can interchange with a striker and be speedy and move around like your traditional number 10, right? So I don't know where Fabregas plays in this system. Jorginho isn't going to be the defensive one, because Kante is the best defensive central midfielder in the world. So where does he fit? Does he play his old role, or does he have to learn a new position? Like, I just don't think we have the center mids for that, and to me that's a huge problem. Like, when we talked about the World Cup, we said that central midfield was the thing that won teams, that separated out the really good teams from the teams that were just Pretending. Um, so that worries me a ton. But it would be super exciting if Loftus-Cheek can sort of do his Loftus-Cheek thing. But, yeah, I mean, having seen him at the World Cup, do you guys think that a Loftus-Cheek, and you especially, Chuck, you saw him at Palace all last season, Yeah, can play like a almost advanced 10, false 9 central midfielder, switching out in and out with the striker and moving around a lot? Um, I'm not sure in terms
2: of switching in and out, but definitely kind of playing... What I found when we had the most success with uh, with Loftus Cheek was when he was playing in the centre, and he kind of had the space to start running at people. So when he was in quite a high advanced position, he wasn't playing really that well. He wasn't really getting many looks um, at the ball. But when he had when he took it to feet probably about forty yards out and had the chance to run at players, then he was creating stuff a lot more.
0: How about his defensive responsibilities? Like, what what did you make of his tackling ability and? interceptions. Do you think he fits a system where he's going to have a lot of disp- defensive responsibility to press and make interceptions and all that sort of stuff?
2: Yeah, I think so. He's powerful enough um and he was yeah, he he was just always performing really well up and down the pitch really for Palace. Um obviously again my yardstick is is completely different um to how you would judge for Chelsea, but you know, we said it all throughout the World Cup um it it doesn't really matter he just has to play like i would of course i'd love to see him back at palace absolutely however if he if he actually does start playing for chelsea and gets the chance to shine which i think we've only seen the beginning of what he can do um i think that would just be amazing amazing to see the young english player coming through at a big club
0: yeah what what about you Stimmers? do you think this could be rubens breakout season do you think that he needs to go on loan again like what would you make of that situation the the
1: the problem i see is just that when you are rattling off players that chelsea have got and some of them i'm forgetting that i think would still get ahead, get in ahead of lost as cheap most weeks so if he doesn't go out on loan again then yeah i fear i fear for his starting time which is a real shame because he's a, he's a real talent so it's it's I mean Chelsea, how many play how many players do they send out on loan, you know? So they day one of the window they had about fifteen out already.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They just have a whole um in Chelsea fan community they're known as the Lone Army because there's just yeah. like so many of them. Um yeah. and they have been actually keeping a bunch of them through preseason that might actually stick around. It's really confusing what's going on right now. Because um, I think sorry just wants to see as many players as he can.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's got all the which is fair. what he's got. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: yeah. But like, there's players who've been on loan for eight years who like aren't really ever going to play for the club. Although, and I guess the flip side of that is that's what Victor Moses was until Antonio Conte came around. So like, yeah, who knows?
2: Yeah, I'm sure there was a goalkeeper who had been like the longest-serving player in any Premier League club, but he'd never actually played for Chelsea. And he, he had just been on loan for, like, 15 years or something stupid like that.
0: Wow, that's
2: great. And the name invades me right now. Um, but, yeah, they they do
0: send so many people out and they just go for obscurity. Now, I mean, that system started to arise because of financial fair play, which then PSG and Man City just gave a big middle finger to UEFA and were like, <laughs> we're going to completely ignore that. What are you going to do about it? Um, which pisses me off as a Chelsea fan because, like, Chelsea went so far out of their way to, like, game the system and figure out what they could do, which Mm -hmm. mostly consisted of buying every prospect in the world and then selling them off for massive profits. Um, Yeah. Although that's how you end up with Lukaku, Salah, and De Bruyne being ex-Chelsea players. Up front, um, he played with one left winger who comes inside a lot, so like an inside forward, which is exactly what Hazard is, so that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, And one traditional right winger who stays wide, puts in crosses, dribbles, and goes to the baseline. Um, So that could easily be William or Pedro. Um So that's good. But what we don't have is a free-roaming, speedy striker like Dries Mertens, who is really, I think, the shining star out of that Napoli team and the one that Sarri took from basically hazard light to an elite player playing a new position. Um, And we just don't have that. Giroud is slow. Marata, I don't even know what Marata does at this point. <laughs> like what the fuck is he even there for Torres version 2.0 and uh, and then Michi who like actually could turn out to be that um, he went on loan in January and had a fantastic spell at Dortmund before he got hurt he scored 9 goals in 14 appearances for them um, so he could potentially be that and he is it looks like he's going to stick around this season sorry said he wants him to play um, but none of those guys even if you're squinting are anything like Dries Mertens. So to me, like, who are you putting up front and what does that even look like? Because you you need someone who can aggressively press and then move around, interchange with Hazard and interchange with whoever the attacking central mid is. But none of those guys have that skill set. So I genuinely don't see who we're playing up front.
2: No, do you see anybody coming in? Or do you think it would be more of this is kind of the rebuilding year of just kind of... For Chelsea, of 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 wiping out Conte's influence and and just kind of getting a reset.
0: That is my deep concern: is that it is just going to turn out to be a like a rebuilding year, a, a wasted year almost, um, in terms of the transition and not being able to really do any of the things that they want to do um, because they brought him in so late. Like the Conte situation didn't get resolved quickly at all. Sari just came in like two weeks ago. Not even there's a week till the season starts. They've made one transfer. And by the way, the window closes early this year. It's not like it caught them off guard. They knew this was coming. Mm. Like this has been announced for over a year now. So, I don't know. The only good thing to me is that we do have a lot of guys who are good at passing and keeping the ball at their feet. Um, and sorry ball, like it visually. So that's all like the tactical movement of the positions and the players. But visually, t- sorry ball. If you want to summarize it in one sentence, is just a lot of one touch passing. And interchanging positions with possession play and aggressive pressing, right? So, like, all of those things are things that Chelsea players can do, but it's just a matter of, like, who ends up where and how they execute that. So there's, like, some hope, but I I am, like, not going into it with particularly high expectations as a Chelsea fan. But So, like, money, putting money where your mouth is, where do you guys think Chelsea finishes up this season?
2: I say, obviously, you know, it's easy to do top six until until you started being kind of insightful. I did have Chelsea at third um, until myself. you
1: started being insightful. There's a first time yeah. for everything, right? Episode nine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it only took ten. Well, hours. going
2: going so deep onto um in onto Chelsea, um, I still I, I still think they can. I think you know you don't bring in a manager of that quality and have have a team that is that good without Without them knowing how to adjust, even though sorryrez had had not much time um, with the players like his sort of main players, he has got to know um the ones that can come off the bench and things like that, so technically, you'd say probably his less talented players yeah, so I think if you can if you can work that hard on your less talented players and get the system built into them so they know exactly what's expected of them when they're going to be the ones coming off the bench. You know, the next, your first team has come back and then it all kind of falls into place because they should, in theory, pick things up much quicker. And ultimately, you build a bigger squad, uh, uh, a better squad, Um, especially with, you know, Chelsea Champions League this year.
0: Nope. Europa? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay, so Europa League gives another good run out for those guys. Who, who maybe wouldn't get so many times, so much time in the league, and again to get the system even more ingrained in them. So yeah, I think it could be a, a bit of a rebuilding year. Um, but I think, you know, they could take it back to basics. I don't, I don't see them doing a, a Mourinho of a couple of years ago, where it's just completely capitulated. I think they're still going to get that new manager bounce. I think they're still going to be reinvigorated if Conte really had lost the dressing room in such a way. Um, so, yeah, I, I still fancy Chelsea to hit, hit about
0: third, third or fourth. Cool, cool. I mean, I, I would take third and a deep run in the FA Cup. Maybe re- re- repeat winners of the FA Cup. I would totally take that. Uh, Stimmers, how are you feeling about Chelsea?
1: Well, I've got Chelsea at third as well. I mean, I think it's mostly because out of the top six, the only two teams who don't feel wild cardy are Man City and Liverpool. Man City haven't changed a great deal should be able to probably not exactly uh, replicate what they did but should you know should should be all right liverpool finished the season uh really strongly i think they should be fine but yeah what what you've said obviously, obviously about the manager coming in late and uh makes chelsea a bit wild cardy man united have got Mourinho in a third season so who knows arsenal got a new manager and tottenham haven't bought anyone and well, uh, yeah, Kane being ready for game week one seems a bit questionable, I think yeah, he's never
0: ready for August in the first place well yeah exactly. he's
1: so. not strong in August and apparently going to be ready for game week one, so I think the the other four seem a bit wild cardy, but I think chelsea are probably are probably best equipped out of the four, so I've got him as third.
2: I like that you basically summarized an entire hour's podcast last
1: week into a minute.
0: Yeah, thanks. Maybe we should have had <laughs> you
1: around for that one. Don't worry about it. Come to me. Come to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess when you put it that way, I hadn't like. I guess I'm feeling more pessimistic than usual this season, which isn't generally my style of fandom. I guess maybe you guys are rubbing off on me.
1: Um, <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. but when
0: you put it that way, with everyone else also being weird coming in, I think we could actually get third. Yeah, like that. I think of those four teams. Yeah, I think maybe we do have the best like up to succeed because I do think Tottenham. I said this last week. I think Tottenham are going to have a terrible season, and of United and Arsenal. I do think we're probably going to be better than them. So, which brings us to the other mildly cool team in London. I guess as far as teams in London go, the team that I <laughs> don't hate the most, Crystal Palace. I take it. What a ringing
1: endorsement from Oscar there. <laughs> Absolutely, that is that is
2: high praise. I, I'd take that. It just being you know the team you hate the least.
0: Actually, Palace are weirdly like America's hipster pick because they have cheerleaders, they have a bald eagle, they're red and blue. A lot of their chants are the ones that the US national team just adopted. So, Mm. like, there's a ton of American Palace fans, which is really weird. So, I, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Crystal Palace in general. Yeah, I think
2: it's, it kind of is always been the American thing of, you know, rooting for the underdog. Um and Palace have been that for so long with, with all of their problems that they've had and in the past with administration, however many times and you know, I I don't know if we still are, but we were the team that had been relegated from the Premier League the most times. Um, the only team that's gone up from the championship playoffs in all four positions. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an absolute roller coaster ride of everything, and it's it's crazy to think that Palace in in their sixth season now in a row uh, in the Premier League when eight years ago the club nearly disappeared. So uh, long and short of it was, the club went into administration. So administrators from the bank come in, uh, I believe it was Barclays, came in and basically said you had to start selling off assets and, and all these kind of things. So one of those actually that we had was Victor Moses, um, mentioning at the time, who back then was playing as a striker and was then sold for 2.5 million to Wigan. And yeah, what happened was that, you know, we went through a whole season, um, little things like going, uh, knocking out Wolves, who were in the Premier League at the time, who are now back in, knocking them out of the FA Cup when we were playing a right back at striker because we just got rid of Victor Moses and he scored a perfect hack trick um, in a, very short amount of time as well, I remember. I think it was like eight minutes, nine minutes, something like that. Danny Butterfield. Again, just highlighting how mental palace is there. Uh, we're in administration and a right back scores a perfect hat trick to take us through the FA Cup. And his name is Butterfield. Um, and his name is Danny Butterfield, yeah. Hero. Which sounds um,
0: like an American's invention of a British name. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, you know, Eight years later, we're in our sixth year in the, in the Premier League. And it's incredible. And, it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, and to go back to what you said, Ian, I, I would never have it any other way. And <laughs> it w- it wouldn't matter if, if if Palace did go down or or who they had or, or whatever at their disposal. You know, I'd I'd still love that club and and still for all my sins would follow them everywhere.
0: So, is that a thing you worry about going into the season, the potential of going down again? For the f- see last
2: season.
1: Oh, there was a hint since, of optimism there. Since going,
2: since going. Yeah,
1: since going up,
2: I'd say for the first four seasons, it was just because of various different things. Obviously, the first two seasons, you just want to stay up because it was the year, the year that Palace went up was when the, the Premier League money just went bumper. I yeah. think it was the year before we went up, Man United got $20 million from Sky for finishing first. And the next year, Cardiff got $120 million for finishing 20th. And yeah, then that was every part year of that was then.
0: the American TV deal when nbc yeah. took over from fox sports they just put like an insanely large bid uh, nbc and espn were b- outbidding each other and it was like 200 million a season or something
2: so a lot of that went in um and obviously that's why the playoff final is is the richest game in football cuz it's worth you know now i think it's worth a minimum of 160 million which is why you see stuff like fulham have just gone come up and they've spent 75 million in this window already wolves are buying people left right and center and, you know, so it's it's always just been about keeping safety, especially because the club nearly didn't exist. It still has to be run like a business, so they still had to make it kind of safe. So for me, as long as we finished 17th or above, I didn't give a shit. Now, you look across our seasons, I think we finished uh, 11th, 12th, 13th, 15th and 11th, something like that. Um, so all kind of okay, all things considered with uh, the Pardue run, where we went about... 20 games without winning and nearly got relegated after being fifth at Christmas. Allardyce coming in and sorting it out and then retiring, saying he'd never manage again and going to Everton. Then having Frank de Boer, who obviously became the fastest sacked manager in Premier League history at 67 days. Um, you get you get the pattern here. That being a <laughs> Palace fan is a big labour. So guys, I, if, you, if you don't support a team, I, I definitely... Um, Probably steer clear. <laughs>
0: <That is. laughs> you swung um,
2: wildly there, Chuck. There's Chuck. No. There's the yeah. Chucky Um But no, for you know, last season I, I was very, very hopeful. Unfortunately, it's one of the worst injury-plagued seasons of of any team, really ever. I think we, you know, to have more injury days and more injuries than Arsenal is saying something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: but then, even after, I think we lost. We went our first seven games without scoring a goal and obviously losing every single one of them. And then somehow, sorry to say again, Oscar, i bring it up for you, somehow beating Chelsea 2-1. Um, <laughs> interesting to know our first goal last season was scored by Aspella Quetta. Um, <laughs> that's how good we were. So even eight games in, we still couldn't get our first goal. For, for Hodgson to come in and, and manage to solidify the club. And, you know, in the end, finish 11th, albeit in a very kind of truncated bottom half of the table. So maybe 11th flatters any team a bit when you think between 9th and relegation was 14 points.
0: Yeah, that's not a lot. Um,
2: no, but, you know, it bodes well, I think. Um, I have seen a few people say that Crystal Palace at any time are two players away from qualifying for Europe and two te- two players away from getting relegated. Um, I think I think it's kind of appropriate, um, but this year I am I am feeling very good, um, quite optimistic actually, um, which you yeah, hope, know the hope is what kills you.
0: Yeah, the the big signing today being Max Meyer is that the, did I get the name right on that?
2: Yeah, Max Meyer, who's who's coming from Schalke um, on a free as well, which is quite a good quite a good coup I think from the club. He's he's the kind of player who won't necessarily shine when you look at sort of goal and assist statistics but kind of the work he does on the pitch um, is really really good
0: do you think he is replacing what you lose in Ruben Loftus-Cheek
2: um I don't think no I don't think he's a replacement for Loftus-Cheek but he is a replacement for Yohan Kabay um Yohan Kabay who again never really shone if you look at his stats but if you looked at what he did on the pitch was phenomenal and there was no coincidence that for so many games last season he would get subbed off in the 70th minute and then we'd lose or or we'd concede afterwards and it was just it was like clockwork you watch him go off and that would happen and so i think maya can be that kind of player the kind of player who you miss when he's not there but he'll frustrate a lot of kind of idiot fans who all they look for is oh did they score a load of goals you right. know the kind of people that we were saying about with Raheem Sterling at the World Cup you know he's creating everything he's stretching the defenses because he's taking that sacrifice on himself because he knows he's going to get subbed off later fresh legs come on the defenders don't know how to play then and uh then england could score um and so it was a similar kind of thing at palace that Yoan Kaboy was a big kind of string puller there uh he could win the ball back um he was quite tenacious with those kind of things so i think maya is more of a replacement for him um, also, we've signed um, Cheku Koyate from um, West Ham, which I think is quite a good good signing as well. Um, just to kind of build the squad, not expecting huge sort of, again, mirac- miraculous numbers from him. But I think to kind of fortify what we have uh, is very, very good. You know, I th- people hate on Christian Benteke, but, you know, you can't deny the, deny that the guy is a, a qualified, good Premier League player. Yeah. You know, first season with Palace, um, I can't remember how many goals he got. Now I think it was 15 goals in the league. Um, the season with Liverpool, where he was hardly playing and and was getting derided for being dog shit. I think he got nine or 10 goals. Then you had his seasons at Aston Villa, when he was just fantastic. So yeah, he was I great think lo- in that Villa team. Yeah, he was like. I don't know about you, but I remember there was a season in Fantasy Premier League where you could just have like <laughs> Benteke and Charlie Austin because they yep. were both five million and they were just banging in goals.
0: There was a double game week where they both scored like five goals. They each got a hat trick, and then they had a second game where they both scored, and I think that was the <laughs> yeah. like, best ever fantasy game week.
2: Yeah, absolutely incredible. <laughs> so, so I think you know, and I think Roy will do this because he brought Benteke's um, confidence back a lot um because he was he was getting a lot more assists and more assists than he than he got before towards the end of the season so more just knowing how to play in the system and i think obviously you know our main weapon there where there's there's still talks ongoing but believe me guys i will tell you now it's all fucking bullshit he's not going anywhere is wilfred zaha who you know one one minute he's going to Tottenham, oh now he's going to dortmund oh Tottenham have bid fifty-five million. Oh, we've told you we want seventy. Okay, we bid forty-five million. Um, you know, just mental stuff everywhere, which gets me every year.
0: Every year. He'd look pretty good on Chelsea's wing. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, there's
2: there's two teams. There's two teams where I think Wilfred Zaha would fit in, and one is Chelsea, and the other is Liverpool. I don't think his play style would fit at any of the other clubs because. He's he's not a quick-passing tap-tap player, so he won't fit in Arsenal, he won't fit in Tottenham. And he's already done Man United, and Mourinho would just stamp any creativity out of him and <laughs> he wouldn't even <laughs> fucking play anyway. Um, so it doesn't really matter.
0: Don't you? But like last year, I might have been reading this wrong, but what I remember, he was at his best when they shifted him to almost a striker position. Um, and that was really when Palace's form took off also, is they kind of gave up on Benteke and put Zaha at the sort of nine position um, and really elevated his game and put a whole new dimension to it. Do you want to see more of that this year? Do you think that...
2: It wasn't even that we we shipped out Benteke. It was that we had no strikers. We had... uh, Christian Benteke was injured. Connor Wickham was injured. We didn't didn't have anyone else that, that was a striker apart from youth team players as far as I can remember now, hence why Roy started playing this weird, if we were playing 4-4-2, but it was Townsend and Zaha up front, who were basically, so rather than having a striker, we were playing with two inverted wingers. Mm. And because it was so unpredictable, and and Roy Roy even said this in, in conferences, they were so unpredictable because even they didn't really know what they were supposed to be doing in those moments. But because they were just going on their instincts, and getting into positions and, and making things happen, all of a sudden it started to click. Because, you know, what team knows how to play, what defenders know how to play against two wingers that are just in front of them now? They were kind of playing on the edge of the 18-yard box, so not really getting into the center areas, splitting defenses and cutting in. Um, and, that, and that really, really worked well. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit of that, and I wouldn't how, be surprised. How do they
0: tap back into that then, but not by accident? Like... That because I to me that was the best I've ever seen Zaha play, and he's been very good at different times. But if mm. they, how do they recreate that, but on purpose, as opposed to just like this magical accident that happened? Well, I don't.
2: I don't think Roy. You know, Roy. Roy Hodgson to me seems like a man who who knows his shit and knows what his players can do and what he can get out of them. So I think something like that won't necessarily have been such a sporadic fluke of luck that he thought, oh, maybe this will work like a chuck of the dice. Um, obviously there is the kind of element of you've got no one else to play up there so it makes sense to play your two most creative attacking players up there Um, so I think as a sort of not even necessarily a plan b but it could be a plan a in certain games that we line up that way to then go back to the traditional having the target man up front as and when we need for an outlet be that you know if we're if we're um, chasing a game or or um, or protecting a lead, um, just to give you that outlet out there to hold up the ball. I think the the good thing it did for Zaha was was give him even more confidence and even more um, quality to his final product, um, which he he'd been questioned on for quite a few years. You know, it's it's very easy for these players. Um, I remember when, when we had Zaha and Balassi. You know, two incredibly technically gifted and wow, highlight real players that will, will just amaze you. But, you know, you get sick to death of a guy beating four players down the wing, beating the same player three times and then skying across into Rosehead on the opposite side, mm-hmm. which is what Bellassi did. Um, so when, you know, Everton signed him for 35 million, I was a bit like, yeah, okay, like, that's cool as long as we keep Zaha because he's the one who not only is about three or four years younger, I think, but just had so much more potential.
0: Yeah, he's so still really young
2: yeah he's twenty five so still yeah he's still got time he could he could even play this season as a striker um he could play off of benteke um he could play on the wing, but weirdly, we don't actually play that much with wingers anymore um we stay more more solid there and kind of more defensive or yeah i, th- I think he could even play as a sole striker now um if we did have to go into say sort of like a four three three mostly though I think we'll kind of stick with maybe like a four-two-three-one or even four-four-two a lot of the time like we have. Um, because when we've got, we've got players like uh, Milivojevic who obviously most people will know him for banging in penalties left, right and center and coming out of nowhere um, scoring a couple of free kicks as well last season.
0: Yeah. Some beauties. He's very
2: impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He's very impressive from, from set pieces. And so we've got him in the middle now with, with I'd assume Meyer would come in there as for where, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was playing last year. Um, Andros Townsend, who I actually think he definitely had one of those seasons last year where his stats will just have people write him off. Like he was crucial in so many games. So he was like the, the pass to the assist or he yeah. was the one killing himself, busting a gut on the run to, to, spread, to spread defenders and, and everything. So um, really looking forward to seeing him.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have the numbers in front of you, but I remember him cracking into the top twenty or twenty-five for XG chain, which I mentioned that other week of like people involved mm. in build-up that eventually yeah. led to shot or led to goals. Um, he was very critical to the way they play attacking, so I, I think the numbers do back that up. Even though I don't have them directly in front of me right now.
2: Yeah, he did. I mean, he still got he still managed to get nine assists, even though you know i think the problem is with palace is that a lot of their stats will come from the sort of trail end of the season um i think if you take the last 12 games 10 11 12 something like that um and you go by form palace were the the highest performing squad team in that time um we we got more points than than everyone i think towards the tail end of the season Wow. um i think it capped off i think we capped off for like five wins in a row at the end or something
0: like that so do you think they overperformed, underperformed, or exactly performed last year, finishing in 11th?
2: Well, I think Palace do this classic thing if they can't ever string an entire season together. It almost seems like we're confined into calendar years. So if the back end of one season will be great, the, the beginning of the next season will be great. But then the tail end of that one will be shit, and the beginning of the next one will be shit. So nothing ever, nothing ever really stays into one season. If you took if you took the uh the form of the second half of the season, I think we were in Champions League places. Um yeah, I'd just like to see more consistency. Um man, mid table obscurity would be just so great. Just a team that just always stays in like ninth or tenth all yeah. I don't dream big Oscar. I don't <laughs> you know, I want to be able to see the team, I wanna be able to see a few goals and I and think there's not... a
1: good few squads worse than yours.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that that was the weird thing. Like looking, you know, you mentioned our predictor leagues um, a couple of times now, and we'll we'll go into that a bit more detail later. But yeah, I actually I did the top six, or yeah, I think I kind of took the top six and then worked from the bottom up, and then without even intending to, ended up with Palace at seventh, and just kind of went, oh holy shit! Like (laughs) that is, you know, it's not unheard of. Now I don't necessarily think that's me. Being overconfident or thinking that Palace necessarily are that superior or whatever, but it's like Ian, it's like you said with the top six. Once you take out Man City and Liverpool, there's just so much you can justify between them um, that that anything could happen. I mean, that's exactly what I said before with the, with the table last year. You know, you ended up with Burnley on seventh, Burnley who you know scored 36 goals and just played consistently strong defensive football all year long, you know, winning 1-0 here and there. Um, they're on 54 points. Then after that, you had Everton on 49. Then after that, Leicester on 47. And like I said, you dropped 14 points from that, which isn't a ton. And you, you dropped down 10 places to 33 points for Swansea. And, you know, season's gone by, you had to hit 40 points to, to stay up. Well, 40 points this year got you 15th place, which is, you know, that's a good performance. Um we haven't really had a ton of money to spend. You know, we've signed um I don't really know how to pronounce his name, but Vicente Guaita. Guaita I don't don't know how to pronounce it. Um the goalkeeper from uh, Valencia, who was very good um in La Liga last year. Um so we got him on a free. He actually signed in January but just joined us now. Um Cuyate, we've signed for ten million. Um Max Meyer, who I mean, I always used to sign him on FIFA as a wonder kid. I think he was one of the football manager golden boys as well. Was <laughs> it? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. A few years ago, he was touted as going to all left, right, and centre places and big teams. And I think his agent just kind of, kind of overegged it a bit and, and got a bit too precious. And since that, it means that you know his contract runs down at Schalke and Palace pick him up on a free. Um, so three year deal there. So
0: yeah, that's that's a good sneaky good pickup for free. One player I was surprised to not see Palace not go hard after was Shirla, who ended up at Fulham of all places. Like,
1: yeah, well, yeah, that's insane.
0: Yeah,
2: Palace were obviously as much as you can believe um, with how the media works in transfer windows and XYZ, but Palace were in for Shirla.
0: Yeah, I, I did hear that too. I know he only wanted to come to a London team, um, because he mm-hmm. was obviously at Chelsea for a few years and he had a good time and he liked yep. the city of London. And of the London teams looking to replace like he was a natural fit for me for Palace especially given that Ruben's probably not coming back I think he has a lot of the same sort of skill set if not the same position um, Mm -hmm. in terms of progressing the ball at his feet from 40 yards away like you mentioned um, and then being able to sometimes assist sometimes score but not having that be his primary function I think that would have been a good fit for you guys yeah
2: he hasn't had a great couple of years at Dortmund as far as I'm aware you know he's been kind of that like I mentioned earlier with Balassi, that kind of player who beats and beats beats player, gets up to the position and then just absolutely skies the ball. Um, I don't think his confidence was kind of was that great um, when he was there. So it'll be it'll be good to see what happens. And and Fulham are very very interesting this year with, with the amount of players they've bought and signed. You know, now they've got Mitrovic there as well on um, on a, a full time basis.
0: Yeah, is he going to win the Golden um, Boot this year? Or? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, what kind of idiot would predict a Mitrovic golden boot? <laughs> uh, but no, I, I am feeling very good um, about Palace this year.
0: Do none of us think that they could even go so high as to upset one of the big six teams and sneak in that sixth spot?
2: I think it'd be pretty bold to, to predict a, a Leicester-esque.
1: <laughs> I was going to say Leicester won the Premier League.
2: Yeah, yeah, but Le- Leicester won the pre- you know Leicester winning the Premier League. Not to take anything away from them because they still had to do it. They still had to win and grind out those 1-0 wins. It was impressive. However, you know, the, the time was perfect. There were a lot of clubs were in disarray. They were kind of uh, all rebuilding at the same kind of time and not quite knowing where they were. And you had a team like Leicester who, you know, Ranieri knew exactly what he was doing, exactly how he could get the best out of their players and, and didn't play any sort of revolutionary way of football. It was just, can't they win the ball, give it to Mares, lob it to Vardy, who scores? That was just it. You know, we probably said it before, we could never see a team like that winning the league and and never again. And we still say the same afterwards, like, oh, it will never happen again. Never again. But I think you're right. I think there's so many wild cards in there that that teams, you know, there's teams that if they click, they can be just phenomenal. However, it would be so easy for them to just drop off.
0: Yeah, I mean, we just said Man City and Liverpool are the only sort of, not even sure bets, because you can never have a sure bet, but at least known quantities. Given mm-hmm. how much of a, of a, like like Ian said before, like wild cards those other four top six quote-unquote teams are, I could easily see one of them falling below Palace. I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far as to actually predict that in my table,
1: <laughs> but no.
0: but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. I think of yeah. the other teams, either Palace or West Ham might sneak sixth, sixth place. like
2: I'd fucking bite your hand off. Yeah. <laughs> and then use it to masturbate with I'd be so fucking happy Jesus Christ (laughs)
0: Jesus and on that note I think that does it for part one Um, so when we come back after the break we will uh, get into some more official prediction games and, and wrap it up with some listener questions so stick around and we'll see you in a bit
2: Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast, where we've been talking this week about our own teams, at Crystal Palace and Chelsea. Um, last time out, we were talking about the rest of the top six. Um, now we wanted to move on a little bit uh, onto the other teams, but then we realised we don't know anything about them, so we figured <laughs> <laughs> how we'd do it is we'd just make a bit of a game. And what we've set up is uh, just a little table, little spreadsheet. Um, where you basically rank all twenty teams and and how you think uh, they're going to get on this year. Um, so if you if you want to join in, um, we haven't decided if there's any sort of prize or anything at the minute. I suppose we could, I suppose we I could know. say there's a prize. I can buy a
1: white t-shirt and some felt tips. I'm sure we can knock some it up.
2: So you will get some unique branded merchandise uh, unavailable in the shops. Uh, for good should, reason.
1: Should you? Yeah, for, yeah,
2: for very good reason. Because um, no one would buy it. Uh, should you should you win the predictor league um we basically work it out that if you say for sake of example man city are going to finish fifth and they actually finish first then you get four points for that so
1: then we add up the differences
2: for each of your teams and you get
1: thrown off a bridge for being a fucking moron <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's good to have you back ian um yeah so we'll throw you off a bridge uh the fourth bridge time Weir bridge uh a tower bridge some over water some over rail some over concrete we'll let you decide um should you get it completely fucking wrong um and yes yeah, so basically the lowest score wins um so we've done a few already and we've had a couple of listeners join in um uh one joe bloom we've had um carmen torres um, we've had at FPL Nicola get involved. So if you want to get onto our Twitter page, um, that's at miles offside pod um, and get in touch with us. You can either DM us um, and you can DM us all of your league predictions or should you wish I can send you out the little spreadsheet that you can fill out with your choices because um, I'm very proud of it and I want as many people as possible to see it.
0: <laughs> and the winner gets to listen to a special edition podcast of Stimmers giving his thoughts on Peterborough for an hour or so. Yes. To <laughs> oh,
1: to. There you go. Winner, loser, whatever.
0: Wait, did I say winner? Yeah, I definitely meant loser.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll be doing this as a bit of fun, and we'll keep a keep a running tally for the season. Um, we'll allow entrance up until the end of the first international break. Um, I don't exactly know when that is, but I'm sure if you just look on Twitter and follow any FPL account and see when they're bitching <laughs> and moaning that there's no Premier League. Um, that, that's when it will be. So we'll go through a few of our choices just at the start. Ian, who have, who have
1: you got as your sort of top four, starting from four to, to one? Four to one, okay. Uh, fourth place, I've got Manchester United. As I said earlier, the, the four below, well, I think the four below Man City and Liverpool are wild cards. As I've said, there's a lot that could be totally different from last season. So, But yeah, I've gone, I've gone Man U fourth, Chelsea third, Liverpool second, Man City first.
2: Yeah, I'd kind of have to agree with that, uh, because for similar reasoning as you, I've gone for Arsenal in fourth, Chelsea in third, Liverpool in second, and Man City in first. Okay. Uh, And Oscar, how have you gone?
0: Yeah, I'll go a little different on this one. I'm going to go Man United in fourth. Liverpool third, City second, and Chelsea to win, because I'm a big homer, and oh, wow. I don't care if it makes sense, I put Chelsea to win my league. So, Yeah,
2: and if you have fast-forwarded to this point and heard that, uh, don't listen to the first bit, because Oscar, yeah, he was really confident that Chelsea were going to win the league, <laughs> and he gave this really great in-depth analysis on how they're better than every team and how Sarri is going to crush everyone, and they've got all the right <laughs> to players be fair, to do it.
0: Both
1: of you have been all over the place on your clubs. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I never yeah. bet against my team, so I'm going to put them at first in an That's
2: official That's a fair prediction. shout, yeah. Fair shout, fair shout. Um, how about bottom three, Oscar? Who, who are your teams to go down?
0: I have 18th Brighton, 19th Cardiff, and 20th Wolves. So I don't see the promoted teams doing particularly well, um, just because it's always hard.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Chuck would like a moment to celebrate Brighton going down. I would just love it just a little, little bit
2: as a Palace fan yeah. for Brighton going down. Because it, it is a rivalry, no matter what anyone says. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck Brighton. Um, <laughs> yeah, my boy. I do have him at 20th, but admittedly, I don't think I could name a single player on Wolves. So, I just hate their jerseys. <laughs> That's why I put them at 20th.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of, like, the bright orange, mm.
2: yellow. No, no, no. What color is that,
1: actually? It's called cool Summit, isn't it? It's- it's called something gold, I can't remember. Shit.
2: Shit gold. <laughs> Shit cheap gold. Cheap gold. gold. <laughs> Asparagus wee
1: <wee-wee>. wee. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Ian, how about your bottom three? Yeah, my bottom three, I've got um, 20th Cardiff, 19th Huddersfield, 18th Fulham. Um, Ooh. Fulham and Cardiff seem wafer-thin squad-wise. And yeah, I just, I, I think Huddersfield got a bit lucky last season and I think they're probably done. So yeah, I've got Fulham, Huddersfield, Cardi.
0: Yeah. I'm all I'd... of a sudden very worried about having Fulham at 11th in my table, given how the predictions <laughs> went at the World Cup.
1: Yeah, well, that is
2: the good thing. Some of our teams are all over the shop, so surely one of us will be right, <laughs> this is what's <laughs> good. As opposed to, you know, in the World Cup where we just said like, yeah, Brazil, Germany. Oh, shit. <laughs> um yeah, I'd go with you on Cardiff and Huddersfield. In fact, I've got them in the same positions. I've got Cardiff in 20th. Um, I just don't think they'll have enough. Huddersfield, exactly the same as you. I think they were lucky last year. Very, very lucky not to get sucked in, and I don't think they've really improved. Um, and similar reason in terms of riding luck, I've gone for Bournemouth in 18th. Oh,
1: wow.
2: Um, yeah, I, d- I don't really have any justification, but I just think they've, they've ridden their luck for, for too long now.
1: They didn't look good
2: last season. Yeah, no, they I didn't. I have them at
0: seventeenth, so you're not far off of my prediction either.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, stimmers. I've got them at sixteenth. Yeah, there you go. So kind of around there, it, it would make sense. But yeah, like, I think they'll struggle. Yeah, like we said, it could it could easily be a season again where there's like eight points between the bottom half of the table. It
1: really um, could.
2: So yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of a taster of ours, but we'll be posting those out and um, making those public, so they are on our Twitter page. If you have a little look once again at Miles Offside Pod. Um, we do have some predictions, though, that we're making that we're, we're not going to make public and we're going to wait till the end of the season. Not
1: even to each other.
2: Yeah, not, we don't even know each other's ones um, of of what, what we're going to pick for these. So we kind of went for five kind of classic categories. Um, so we've gone for the player with the golden boot. The Rigoritz. team.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I told you not to look at mine.
0: God <laughs> damn it, Oscar. God damn it.
2: <laughs> Um, the team with the most clean sheets um the number of total goals across the league all year, so that's all three hundred and eighty games um the same for league cards, so that's yellow and red cards combined, and also in a little bit off off center left field, shall we say the correct term um uh who's going to win the champions league this year? and so what we've all done is we've all come up with those and then we've sent them off to um good friend and resident question giver Dave Mateo, or Dave Stateo as you prefer, and we've sent them off to him. So if you want to play along and you're going to pick your own categories, well, not pick your own categories, pick your own answers, sorry, um, just draft them up in a message and send them to Dave. Um, if you go onto his Twitter page, it's at Dave underscore Matteo. that's M-A-T-T-E-O just uh, DM them over to him and they'd be more than happy to put them into a little spreadsheet for you um, he is a statistician so he loves it um, and yeah he will be the guardian of the answers until the end of the season and then we'll have some sort of forfeit or prize for the winner I guess out of the three of us
0: and given that he is a statistician this would probably be the first time that anyone slides all up in his DMs so <laughs> I'm sure he <laughs> would love that oh <laughs> damn uh, from Throwing under to another shade. love you,
1: Mass shade. Also it should be uh, should be noted that we didn't ask Dave if we could send all of our listeners to his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> so which is I which really... is
2: why I implore you even more, guys, all of you at home, <laughs> please go on to Twitter at Dave underscore Mateo and just de- DM him all five categories and all five answers. Yeah. No preamble, zero, no zero build-up. context. Zero yeah. yep, zero context, just send it to him.
1: And Just names um, and numbers.
2: Yeah, and he'll be more than happy to oblige, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> he might, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> or we've lost our favourite listener. I know.
0: Our one <laughs> loyal listener. is like, fuck <laughs> you guys, I quit.
2: Yeah, so that's kind of what we've got for predictions and, and some stuff that you guys can get involved in. Um Yeah. But then Oscar's got a little game that he wants to run uh between the three of us for this year. Oscar?
0: Yeah, so um, if you listen to all our episodes so far, you know that I really, really like Michael Cayley and Michael Goodman. They're two of my favorite writers, along with Michael Cox. Um, and Kaylee and Goodman you have their You do love own Cox. No
2: po- comment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I've waited nine weeks to say that. Uh, oh, I
1: enjoyed that.
0: <laughs> um, Kaylee and Goodman have their own podcast called the Double Pivot Podcast. Uh, and what they did, I think they did this last year or two years ago, I don't remember exactly when. Was they basically drafted teams instead of players and had an ongoing competition all season to see which guy's set of teams did better. Um, so we kind of adopted that to the format with the three of us. Um, and so what we're going to do is do a classic snake draft. So, like one, two, three, and then three, two, one. Um, and Chuck, do you have the draft order in front of you?
2: Uh, I do. So the order will be Mr. Ian Stimson. Yes. Uh, getting the first pick out the the gate. Then it will be Oscar, and then it will be me taking up the rear.
0: And then we'll circle back around in the other direction, so Chuck, me, Ian, going back and forth. So we're going to pick four teams each, gentlemen, and the winner slash the way that the table will be calculated is not just on who's in first, who's in second in the actual Premier League table, but how many points they have. So let's say that City finished with 100 points. If Ian had City, he would get 100 points stars his total. If he then also had, let's say, Tottenham, who had 77, he'd have 177 as his score.
1: So we're going to keep a tally going week by week, yeah?
0: Yep, we'll keep a running tally going. And then uh, the combination of the four teams that we each have will determine how we're doing. So, um, Figure as a way to sort of bring in shorter but better predictions for the whole league. Um, Since we did only kind of really focus on top six in Palace, we'll give everybody about 45 seconds on the clock, 60 at most, to sort of make their pick and then justify their prediction of why they chose that team where they did. And we'll make our way through four by three, 12 teams each, or 12 teams total, rather. And uh, and then we'll just keep track of that all year long. So how does that sound to you, gentlemen?
2: Sounds good to me, buddy.
0: All right. So as noted, Ian will be starting us off. So, Ian, 45 seconds on the clock, who do you want?
1: I will take car- uh, Man City.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, you um, should-
1: sorry, first answer, we'll be sticking. <laughs> I said car. Uh, Man City, um, yeah, as I say, the one of the only teams that I think hasn't changed a great deal other than strengthened. So, if you're buying Mares that's even more depth i mean yeah they've got they've got to be the favorites so it's a pretty easy first pick for me man city
0: all right excellent and coming in at only 32 seconds so you have a little 10 second plug there if you want to say anything
1: uh my second album no don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right i'm going up next uh 45 seconds on the clock i'm going to take my beloved chelsea i don't actually think they'll finish in second but i do (laughs) want to have them to root for, just because I don't want any of you fuckers to be happy if they're doing well. Um, so they're mine, all mine. You can't have them. And that's it. Hopefully, Sarri does really well. And they figure out the system and the players. And Ruben has an amazing season. And Hazard wins the Ballon d'Or. So,
2: Chelsea. So does that mean... No, oh, that means I get two picks. So I've got like a minute and a half. My first pick, um, I think it's fairly self-explanatory. I'm going to go for Liverpool um i think they're obviously a very very exciting team um that can get a lot of points on the board um you know you know they're going to go for every game and even more now that they have um a more solid back line because they've strengthened both goalkeeper and defensive mid um that they are gonna absolutely shine this year i I think that the the unbelievably the shackles will come off even more for that team and then second pick oh this is so fucking hard because I know there's a... Oh, fuck you. Oscar's got it in my head. Um, I'm going to have to take Palace now. Simply because... Whoa. Simply because... I know that by the time we get round to nine, they'll be gone. And I can't have anyone else yeah. taking them. And I'm going full bold. And I don't want Man United because they're dog shit.
0: Oh, that makes my choice a lot like Um I didn't think that I would have them still to pick from. But I guess I'm going <laughs> to take Man United here. So thank you for that. Um there is a huge downside as we talked about last week with Man United and Marino in his third season, but um, like I said last week, their talent, Lukaku, Pogba, uh, Sanchez after now that he's been in, more integrated fully, um, they might actually be competing for the title, let alone
1: going hmm. for
0: fourth place. Um so yeah, so I'm gonna take United there.
1: Right, I'm up. Um Wow, okay. Uh I will go Arsenal I think as I've said they're a bit of an unknown quantity but I think Oscars convinced me about Tottenham's potential fall so yeah I it, it's I feel like I'm rolling the dice really but yeah I'm going to go Arsenal for no other reason than I think Tottenham are going to possibly struggle early on so Excellent. I get Arsenal to win out
0: okay and you get back-to-back picks here so another 45 again, seconds is it? The okay in yeah. that
1: case I could choose both of them I'll have Tottenham
2: <laughs> I was going to say the way you were setting yourself up I don't yeah. think
0: either
1: of us were going to say I, anything yeah I didn't think about that yeah okay yeah. Arsenal and Tottenham then lovely North London
0: done ideally this is where I would have taken Palace but they're gone so really? I'm going to go with oof this is tough I'm going to go West Ham Um. I think West Ham have made some really good pickups this summer They had an absolutely shit season last season but mm. I think they're going to make some noise this year Um. at least in terms of the same, same as Palace, those are the two teams I could see pushing for a Europa spot. So I'm going to go West Ham.
2: Yeah, I was kind of eyeing them up as well. I think you're right. I think they've made some really good purchases. And um, Pellegrini as well, who, yeah, we haven't mentioned that, that fact, you know. We've got a Premier League winning manager there. Now I just get left with a dumpster fire of shit. <laughs> and I get to pick two of them. Um, yeah. Right, I'm going to go first up. I'm going to go with Leicester because um, I think Leicester still do have, you know, quality in the side. And they've, they've picked up quite a few players as well um, and kind of built a bit of a squad out of obviously selling Mares And they, they could still have some people coming in. Um, so I fancy them. I still fancy them, you know, to be pushing for top half. Um, they should at least. Um, in fact, I think in our predictor, I had them at eighth. So I think that's a comfortable good amount of points there. 25 then- seconds for your next pick. For my next pick. <laughs> He's such a prick.
0: Um,
2: doesn't matter because I've already typed it in. So I've technically made my pick. I'm just wasting your time. And I'm going to go for Southampton. Southampton because I think Southampton will take a bit of a bump from from last year. Um, I think last year was a blip where they kind of went shit for a while. And I think Mark Hughes as an attacking side um, will do quite well this year.
0: I agree fully with that, Southampton. Um, I do worry about Leicester, though. Selling Mares. He was the last like, really good player. Um, mm. Other than Vardy from that season but for my pick I'm gonna take Fulham um I know I could go everton there and that seemed, that's kind of like the standout name of the people left but I love Fulham's signings this summer I they're also Chelsea's closest neighbors so you know a little West London love um their way because they're not actually a threat but uh <laughs> and Sherila I like Sherila he's a former Chelsea player he's German so Fulham
2: you say West London love? I don't think you've been round that area on Derby, Day. <laughs> it's it, it's anything but love, buddy.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. I we've gone through a eleven team draft, and Everton haven't gone. I did not expect that. So now I'm left because I I had a real wild card pick of Wolves ready to go. Uh, just to, because everyone's gone so low on them and hard oh, now. So now do I go Everton or Wolves? I've got, I've, I've got to play it safe. I'll, I'll go Everton then. All right, Everton for my Everton. last pick. I don't. Again, I just feel like they're such an un, uh, sort of such a nothing pick, really. But yeah, yeah. I've, I suppose I've got to play it safer with eleven teams gone and Everton not, not there. I've yeah. I'll go Everton. I I wouldn't be surprised if they finish fourteenth. You know, it's re- really. Yeah. I have no idea where to place him, to be honest. It, it's funny you say that, because both me and Oscar do
2: have Everton at 14th in the Predictor League. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. I I think um, I was saying... See, and after before, I'm slagging
1: them off, I've got them at 7th, but I, I just didn't know Jesus. where to put them. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I, I know yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, it, my kind of
2: take on it is I, I think Everton are going to be shit this year. I think they're going <laughs> to suffer for... Allardyce overspending. <laughs> My
1: thought out, considered take is that Everde yeah,
2: gonna be no, I don't <laughs> think I don't. <laughs> oh, fuck you! Um, <laughs> I just I I I think you know everyone's so hot on Marco Silva, and I think Marco Silva's one of the most overrated managers that's in the Premier League. You know, he he was at Hull. Yeah, he did okay for a while, but he got relegated. Um, he was then at Watford, and obviously that turned into a mess. And he got he got bin from there, and now he's at Everton, who last year were were a bit of a mess. So I I just don't see him being the kind of person that comes in with an influence and steadying the ship, and and helping them to kick on in that way. God, I'm regretting putting him in seventh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, all can right. So these? no,
2: no, sorry. Of the results no.
0: and you're looking pretty good. The results are: yeah. Stimmers has City, Arsenal, Spurs, and Everton as his four. Fucking you know. so yeah, to be fair, Ian's one. <laughs> yep. uh, I have Chelsea, United, West Ham and Fulham. Yeah. And uh, Chuck has Liverpool, Palace, Leicester and Southampton. Yep. So I think that's one for a second and third right there. <laughs> yep. Uh, so good job, Stimmers. But we'll keep, keep that running all season long. So we'll just have a check in on that every week. See how everybody's doing. Um, we'll make a spreadsheet. For that nice and you know a beautiful chuck spreadsheet so he can have something else to be proud of because he's certainly not proud of his picks there and uh
2: (laughs) and i've still got two months till my child's born so guys i've got got
1: time nothing else to be proud of at all Not 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 yet
0: (laughs) um that wraps it up for the draft competition like i said we'll keep you guys updated that all year long and that should bring us to listener questions stimmers take it away
1: yeah indeed um so, we had an interesting one from uh, Carmen, who we've known for a while, being a Gaffer Tapes listener. Um, so, Gaffer Tapes listeners, as you guys know, are, are known as the Gafferazzi, and I'm not sure how that was coined, actually. I must admit, I can't remember. But um, Carmen's wondering what um, what listeners of this podcast should be called. Have you guys got any thoughts on that?
0: Um, all five of them?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could just phone your mum, Oscar. Yeah, uh, what do you want to
0: be
2: called? <laughs> <laughs> oh come on now, like we we're up to like seven listeners, Oscar. That's
0: fair it's enough. It's not
2: five anymore, you know. As long as we need to break it above the episode number though, the number of episodes we've done. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> uh nicknames. Names for things um one thing I did see I thought it was quite cool is um a friend of ours, Dan Tiller, um, is at my underscore name is underscore Dan on Twitter. Um he said um That he'd started listening to us and called us MOP because obviously you know Miles Offside podcast you know abbreviates yeah. to MOP. So I thought, what about the MOP heads?
0: Yeah, it sounds I good like
2: to me. It. Yeah. I got to
0: start. You have to get a wig though to to be a fan. I mean, yeah,
2: I can grow yeah. my hair out again as well. I'm about a year away from needing a wig anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> that's being generous.
0: <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers. Fucked up. Um, so if you do want to be an official mophead go ahead and get like a Beatles wig and uh, change your profile picture and we can officially incorporate you into the Miles Offside podcast family so yeah that'd be nice you
2: too can dream of being a mophead
1: (laughs) and uh, we got our regular Dave uh, Dave Mateo question he might not be listening after next week so it might be the last one yeah. Um, so if
2: you do want to get in contact with
1: him, please go on his Twitter and just <laughs> DM him. <laughs> yeah. Send him predictions so, for this year, <laughs> uh, and then replace him by sending in a question every week, please. But um, Dave said, um, if Premier League managers were to be MMA fighters, who would be the best? Ooh, I like That this. is an
0: excellent question. Yeah. I like that one. Chuck, do you do you want to start us off there?
1: Ah, oh,
2: well, there's there's so many different. I don't watch a ton of MMA, I've got to say.
0: Yeah, me neither, actually. I don't know the rules exactly.
2: I don't, there's like, it's just like no eye gouging, fish hooking or kicking people in the bollocks. So Mourinho's yes. out. Yeah, Mourinho's out. He <laughs> loves a gouge.
1: Um,
2: yeah, so Mourinho would be disqualified straight away.
0: <laughs> yeah, Unless like... we want to make it like an all-out street fight.
1: We'll yeah. Still... I don't know, we've got to stick to MMA rules, I think. All
0: right.
2: Ah, oh, so it can't be like Rocky Five. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> the worst of the Rockies?
0: Which sucks coming after Rocky Four because it's the best of the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love a bit of USA shorts.
2: Matt okay. USA. James Brown singing Living in America. Dolph Lundgren, the Swedish
1: actor playing a Russian. Just penciling in for international break Rocky chat. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um...
2: Dolph Lundgren, who incidentally, the, the, the player who plays for Palace, uh, one of our strikers, Alexander Serlot, um, looks exactly like Ivan Drago. It's fucking amazing. He's about <laughs> the same awesome. height as Dolph Lundgren as well. He's like this six foot five fucking brick shit house who's like 20 years old.
0: Oh, you know Doc, Dolph Lundgren is like a super genius physicist with like five PhDs or some ridiculous... Really? Like not literally five PhDs, but he's one of the smartest human beings on the planet.
2: Yeah, it's like... Chemical engineer or something like that, I think he technically yeah, is.
0: He has yeah, a doctorate and like several other graduate degrees. I had no idea.
2: Yeah, man's not just a body. Man's, it's, it's not just about body mass, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm fucked, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but you can, you could like make some gizmos with your sound engineering stuff, right? So make like a death laser or something to destroy everybody?
1: Huh. No. I mean, I could probably make you shit yourself.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, with it's gotta be the ground, though, <laughs> isn't
1: it? yeah but that's about it
0: Uh, in fairness it's not that hard to make me shit myself
1: (laughs) you did just get back from guatemala how was was guatemala
2: (laughs) (laughs) cleansing it was cleansing in in more ways than one
1: (laughs) um so we've completely ignored the question by the way yeah pretty much so how how's roy hodgson getting on in mma
2: hodgson oh i don't think hodgson i wouldn't fancy him anymore I think back in the day, there's, there's pictures of him, he looked a bit like a spy, so I think he'd be like quite dodgy, pull out some gadget when the ref's not looking and stab the guy in the throat, I don't
0: know. Well, I'll take Jurgen Klopp, how about that, I'll start us off, because he is genuinely terrifying with the way he runs around on the sidelines yeah. and the faces he makes, I think like just by his pure fear factor alone, if he just screamed at someone, they would cower and tap out, so I'm going to go with Jurgen Klopp.
2: Um, yeah, I'd take that, just for pure aggression. You got you got a fancy clock. I got Sean Deutsch. I
1: was just about to say it. Uh,
2: yeah, Sean Dice has got to be up there. Surely he's he's kind of he's a brawler though. right like, he's he's gonna stand there. He's gonna slug. He's not gonna be that technical. Oh yeah. He's just gonna he's just gonna. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be, be no you. holds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I'd worry
0: about him that. getting disqualified, just like Mourinho bringing a lead pipe into the ring or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd let him do it though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not stopping him.
1: So if yeah, so if it was a knockout competition, the final would be Sean Dyche versus Jurgen Klopp. That's what we think. We think so. Who would you go for, Ian? Yeah, well, no, I think I think oh, Sean Dyche. he has got to be, hasn't it? Really, he scares the shit out of me. That voice is ridiculous. I mean, from, yeah, from a sound engineer's point of view, I'm like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> it's like a
2: blender full of gravel. Uh, Bournemouth, Eddie Howe. Oh, no, no, wet. Yeah. He'd get his face kicked <laughs> wet, really? Yeah. 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 yeah, he'd be like that guy in, uh... oh, it was Jared Leto in Fight Club, <laughs> you know, and he's oh, like, yeah. oh, oh, I yeah. just wanted to destroy something beautiful oh, without being beautiful.
0: Go. I don't know, we're <laughs> sleeping on Mourinho, like, even without being allowed to eye gouge, I think he's just crazy.
1: I think, uh, you, you, you've said it before, he'd find a way to win, there's definitely that about him. That is true.
2: Yeah, he'd be like distracting the ref while someone else comes up from behind with a steel chair and
1: (laughs) (laughs) Rafa Benitez.
0: Oh no, fuck Rafa! I was just—I
1: wasn't—I wasn't wasn't genuinely suggesting Rafa Benitez could beat up
0: Sean Dyche. (laughs) Anyway, I was just—I was just saying another manager is what I was doing. Here's my in-depth analysis (laughs) on Rafa Benitez. Fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough pochettino maybe nah. Nah. he's big on fitness he's big on fitness he'd run around um <laughs> claude pruel not happening right uh, no one's mentioned pep oh it's good yeah but pep may be too busy wearing like an all saints jumper or something or like <laughs> he wouldn't make it out the the dressing room, maybe just like you know, he'd try that.
0: to overthink it too, and be like, "Oh, I'll come up with this crazy tactic where I stand in the corner on one foot, and then blah blah blah, blah and then all of a sudden, yeah, he he's just like gets knocked out."
2: Using tactics with his intro music and just playing the
1: brown note into the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. into
0: the stadium is just
1: like <laughs> he hires Ian
0: to sit in the crowd.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got Pep's back.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm not sure any 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 closer to answering the question. No, <laughs> Mark Hughes. Oh, it'd be good. Oh, who's Huddersfield's manager? Is it still um, Wagner? Wagner? Yeah, 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 the bloke that was on X Factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. all right, yeah, he could probably handle himself, couldn't he, surely?
2: Yeah, yeah, but I just can't take him seriously, because his voice is like the the stereotypical, like, allo allo softly spoken German, you know what lot I mean? A of this is coming down to voice, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Like, very, we very well in Like, it's very kind of squeaky. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a German voice. That's my attempt at Wagner. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and whenever the first firing of the season happens, then you know if there's a, a wrestling type thing involved, then all of a sudden who appears, but John Cena. <laughs> 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 That'd be great. <laughs> John,
2: <laughs> John Cena is the new Bournemouth manager.
0: Yeah. Oh, I just watched that movie he's in on, the, on one of the flights I was taking this weekend. Cockblockers? That guy's comedic timing is surprisingly good.
1: He's really good in like loads of films. I've seen yeah, him. Yeah,
0: he's really funny.
1: Well, wrestlers have got a good acting pedigree, haven't they? Uh, Dwayne Johnson, Hulk Hogan, seen him in some great videos. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Speaking speaking of,
2: um, you just mentioned it. Like, who do you think is the first manager to get sacked this year?
0: Oh shit! Yeah, we haven't done the sack race, have we? Um, that's a good question. Putting me on the spot here. I'm going to go with...
2: Go with your gut. Go with your gut.
0: Who's managing... What was the Everton manager's name? The one you don't like? Marco Silva. Yeah, him. I think I would want to change my answer to Pochettino, actually.
2: You can't change your answer.
0: Well, you know, I'm doing it anyway, so fuck you. (laughs) Oh, Joe, I'm going to go
1: Wagner, actually. Wagner.
2: So you're going Wagner. Oscar, you're going Pochettino.
0: Yeah, he lost the dressing room. I think the players really are going to... I could see a revolt happening there. Not far into
2: the season. Can can this also include managers leaving? I'm going to go for Rafa Benitez. Because I think... Because of all the stuff he did last year at Newcastle, um, for what he was supposedly promised, and how he's looked recently, considering they spent no money and they've all they've done is sold players. They're not really looking like they're going to get anyone substantial in or worthwhile. Yeah. I just think, bad blood there. He's he's
1: just going to go. Surprised he's stayed as long as he has. Hmm. Because that that management structure is pretty rotten.
0: Yeah, they're not looking to do anything of note.
1: No. I mean, how long have Newcastle been on the market?
0: Yeah. And no one... It's a toxic asset. Like, no one wants anything to do with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is he
0: the, he, is he the worst owner in the Premier League, do you guys think?
2: Mike Ashley. Um, I think certainly the worst owner in the public eye.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would not want him, yeah, being the public owner of my club. Jesus. No, 100%. And, like... Because
2: below that, you've kind of got, I'd say, like, Karen Brady and Golden Sullivan at West Ham. But that's
1: not saying it's anywhere near close to Newcastle. Like, Yeah, Mike Ashley's just a boorish prick, isn't he? I mean, I, I really dislike him. Mm-hmm. Love a sports direct mug, though. They're massive. Fucking huge. It's like a litre of tea. It's yeah. great. Lovely. But I don't drink tea, so it doesn't really matter. Neither do I, but you can stick wine in it hey job
0: done <laughs> or uh <Lithuanian> jägermeister
2: <laughs> to be fair i was drinking that out of a plastic pint mug so there you go
0: pretty sure i saw you drinking it straight out of the bottle man
1: i was gonna say at one point definitely mainline in it guys i don't remember
0: <laughs> <laughs> we know
1: yeah so if you've got any questions uh get them into us uh, on twitter at miles offside pod at facebook at miles offside pod and um also, I run a fantasy Premier League uh, cash cash game. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at Ian Stimson, S-T-I-M-S-O-N. And uh, yeah, like Chuck said, uh, we're keen to get as many of you involved in the Predictor League as possible. So if you want to DM us with your 1-20 to 20 Premier League predictions um, or email us milesoffsidepod at gmail.com, uh, then we'd like to get as many of you as possible. I mean, surely, I'm sure we can come up with a prize or something if any of you manage to beat us. So, uh, yeah, get in touch. <laughs> I like that. You're like, uh, we'll think of a prize, but we don't think you're going to beat us. Listen, we're like less than 10 episodes in. We've got no budget. Maybe later we'll have a budget. I don't know. But the minute, I'm recording on an ironing board. So what do you want? And he's a sound engineer, guys. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. But, yeah, so uh, that kind of wraps it up for, for episode nine, guys. We're nearly in the double digits. Yeah. Hi, another little milestone. Uh, we've been ticking up quite nicely in, in listener increases and stuff, so thank you guys for, for carrying on listening. Some people even going back to listen to our Group E to H predictions of the World Cup, which I find <laughs> astonishing. It's like a little time machine. I love that. Uh, I love it. Great. Thanks, Oscar's mum, for, for consistently listening to how we think Brazil <laughs> were going to get on at the World Cup. Uh yeah, it does. It does tickle us every time we see those early ones go up. So, so keep listening, guys. If you do want to go back and listen to to where it all began, um, and yeah, just follow us, like, share. Um, we still do need some reviews. Uh, we've had a few more come in on iTunes. So, thank you to all of those people. Um, it's much, much appreciated because obviously it's helping us to get out there more um so yeah wherever you are based in the world specifically america because our ranking doesn't show up yet if you're in the us um so give us a five star review on itunes or if you can review us on wherever you get your pods review us there unless we're not five stars in which case you know yeah just leave it yeah just leave it (laughs) um so thank you very much guys for contributing um anything else to add guys
0: Uh, Be sure to DM Dave Mateo (laughs) as much as you can, everybody. Steak recipes, candy that you like. um, Golden boot, number of gold, number of cards,
2: number of inches. um, (laughs) Color of underwear, at Dave underscore Mateo.
1: Oh, poor old Dave. Poor Dave doesn't deserve this.
0: No dick pics, uh, though, yeah, guys.
1: No dick pics. Come on. Let's just come that's on, just Chuck, crap. Stop doing that.
0: Uncalled for.
1: I've already
2: been banned from Twitter <laughs> once for that, so I can't do it again.
0: <laughs>
2: right, on, on that night, <laughs> let's yeah. just get out. Yeah, yeah. It's too late now. It's nearly midnight here. <laughs> yeah. This is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Oscar.
0: Thanks. <laughs> when Oscar <laughs> says
1: that, it feels like it's going to be the last time we ever hear from him. He's done. Uh,
0: <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's been a good time. Tell your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to <done>. Bye. <laughs>